Locked on NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we go to Miami to speak with David Ramil of Locked On Heat about the Heat's slow start to the season, their run at the moment, and how Trevor Ariza can fit into those plans. We go to Los Angeles to speak with Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers about the injuries to Anthony Davis, and now to LeBron James and how the Lakers will maintain their standings in the Western Conference. And lastly, we go to Milwaukee. Well, actually, we go to Geelong and talk about Milwaukee because we've got Kane Pittman on here from Locked On Bucks to talk about the acquisition of PJ Tucker and why this may make the Bucks one of the favorites to come out of the East. It's all coming up, the biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys, welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. We are here, NBA playoffs. We're, what, a couple of months away from those starting. Big injuries across the league, of course. The LeBron James injury, the hugest news in the league. We'll see how long that keeps him out. We're going to talk Lakers a little bit later. But first, let's go to Miami and, uh, and check in on the Miami Heat. Let's talk now with the host of the Locked On Heat podcast. David Ramil is here with us. David, the Heat uh, hasn't been too great in recent times against the Indiana Pacers for some reason. But since Jimmy Butler has returned over the last few weeks, the Heat have been making a push yeah, up the Eastern Conference standings. Where, where are they sitting? What is this team? Are they a team that you think can push back for you know, home court advantage in the playoffs? Where do they sit? Because it has been quite up and down this year. It's Makes it hard to gauge, right? Because they have been so up and down. I mean, most of their early season woes were as a result of the varying lineups. They started 17 different lineups at one point. Jimmy Butler missed three weeks because of health and safety protocols. A number of players have been out due to health and safety protocols or injury or COVID. And so there's been a lot going on there. But once Jimmy returned, he started to get a sense of normalcy from this team. Then they go on a seven-game road trip, which was tied for the longest in franchise history. They went four and three, but they also got lucky because they met up against the Lakers missing Anthony Davis. They met up with some teams that were missing key players, and then they start to build slowly a win streak. And I think it was a bit of fool's gold because some of the same problems that have been there all season long, even with Jimmy in the lineup, kept coming up even during that win streak where they weren't scoring a lot of points. Their defense seemed to have ratcheted up consistently. Of course, given that Jimmy is a, a as good a defensive player as there is in the league, maybe even a defensive player of the year candidate, but you, you lose over the last couple of games. You look really bad. Your shooting has been horrific and very, very inconsistent all season long. And it's just a big problem because this is largely what defined the team last year. They were such a good shooting team. They were pretty good defensively, very, very good offensively. And that hasn't been the case this year. They've been mostly improved defensively and struggled badly offensively. And so it's hard to gauge exactly where they are. I'd say, I'd say at their best, they could be one of the teams that contend for home court advantage in the playoffs, but they're probably closer to a six through eight seed barring any major changes over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. Now, yeah, we, we, let's actually let's talk about it now because last year we know at the trade deadline they made moves to acquire Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, and Crowder was a huge piece in what they were able to do in making a run for the NBA Finals. That stretch forward defensive 
um, type of, of guy as well, 3 and D, 3 slash 4 player. Of course, he left in the offseason, and that position has been manned once again with Kelly Linick. Last year, it was Myers Leonard who was in that role all during the regular season, and then they switched it up and went with Crowder in the playoffs there. Now, this season, they've tried to, you know, I guess, strike twice, you know, hit, hit gold again by looking for those players who are you know, sitting on teams who aren't doing all that well and bringing in the stretch four. 3 and D type wing, bigger bigger wing type defensive guys by trading for Trevor Ariza. Um, what have you seen from the two games from Ariza so far? Do you think the plan is for him to be that starter next to Adebayo in the playoffs in a very similar vein to Crowder? Or is his role similar to be uh, more similar to what Andre Iguodala played last year? Obviously, Iguodala is still on the team. So I think ideally, yeah, I think ideally they'd want him to start the same way Crowder did, but he's so rusty right now, it's hard to see whether or not he'll make the leap. And that's, you know, a big part of why I think Crowder was able to be so much more impactful. Like he was always a throw in for the trade, although Miami always liked what he could bring to the table, at least in theory. He was struggling in Memphis for most of the year, and then they add him just to make the salaries work to ship out Deion Waiters, James Johnson, et cetera, and they bring. Crowder and of course he winds up becoming a starter and contributor on their finals run and Iguodala seems to be more of the throw-in with Ariza he's all you're getting back from this package so you know you you, you ship out Myers Leonard because it's a great deal obviously to get Myers out of Miami because I think he's more, more likely done in the NBA moving forward but that's a whole other conversation as far as Ariza's concerned I think ideally they'd want him to start but he has to start to show uh, the ability to respond and and shake off some of this rust. It has been over a calendar year since he played last. And so right now you're not quite sure what you're going to get out of him long-term or even you know a month or two into the season. Ideally, I think he's probably best as a starter alongside Bam Adebayo. And then you can bring Olenek off the bench to stretch the floor, to run plays, to be you know a solid Kelly Olenek player uh, that can have a good chemistry alongside Tyler Hero or Goran Dragic once they form that, that bench unit that's been decimated by injury and COVID all season long. So I think ideally Ariza is your starter, but that's too hard to tell early on. Right now, He's shown some flashes. He made a three earlier today. Uh, he's shown some nice defense. Obviously, the length is there. The experience is there. But he's also older. And like I said, that year layoff isn't going to help. So it's kind of hard to see exactly where he'll fill in. But I think the projected role is as a starter. They've lost three in a row. Now the Heat, including those two games that I mentioned, <clears throat> to the Indiana Pacers, one to the Grizzlies as well. What was the major thing in those three games? Now, obviously, two of those were quite tight. There was the overtime uh, game there against the the Pacers today that we're recording after that. So, you know, the four point loss, the three point loss. It's not they're not getting blown out, or well, they were blown out in one of them, but they're not getting blown out in all of these games. Like, what's what's the issue across these games? Is there anything one thing that you can pinpoint? It's got to be the shooting. And ironically enough, Eric Spolstra said today, oh, I think it's <laughs> it's being overblown. That's not the biggest issue. It's kind of hard to take away that it's not. You're giving up easy threes from opponents the corner three in particular they gave up seven of ten uh from the corners today they, they gave up 33 percent overall from their from you know three-point range for the pacers but their own shooting has been horrific 24 percent against the pacers on sunday 26 percent against the pacers on friday in that blowout loss that you reference and so duncan robinson's struggling Linick is struggling uh tyler hero all the players that seem likely to be moved in trades and i don't know 
if that's a factor or not, it's hard to quantify. And of course, your players are going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to get traded within the next 24 hours. But I feel like that's a big part of it. It just it certainly seems psychological because a lot of those looks that they're getting are wide open shots, shots that they were hitting pretty consistently at around 40 to 45 percent last year. This season has been far from that. And of course, their names, again, have been linked in trades more often than not. And so I think that's a big part of it is that they're looking at, at the trade deadline, wondering whether or not they're going to remain on, on this roster. And it's got to eat at them to some degree because there was such a chemistry last year. And then it kind of got, I guess it's been blown up to some degree because of the trades for, or the trade rumors for James Harden and Victor Oladipo and all these other players that Miami's been linked to throughout the season. So uh, the confidence in their shooting has been pretty off. And then it's resulted in some really, really bad shooting nights for all three of those players. Well, it is going to be interesting to watch. We, of course, were all a bit stunned, David, to begin the year when they started off. Well, not stunned. It's, it's more, I guess, you look at the standings and you see where Miami is and without context, it's, oh, that's a surprise. Yeah, NBA finalist. There's a lot of reasons behind that. Jimmy Butler returned and they went on a massive roll. Now, just got to recorrect course, I guess, after these last couple of games and get back on track. And, of course, you'll have that for all for us over on Locked on Heat over the coming days and weeks. David Ramil, thanks for coming on Locked on NBA. Anita. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Hey, guys guys writing the copy, how do you know I'm not an elite athlete? Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Their OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Fantastic if you've been like out having a run, lifting some weights, and you've got some of that tension as you get older, like uh, like I am, as the copy has uh, has mentioned that I'm not an elite athlete. You, know, you, you get sore doing these things. And, and Theragun is one of those great products that you can use just to help yourself. You get, get a good night's sleep and recover a lot better from your exercise. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Now we bring in the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast. Anthony Irwin is here with me. Anthony, how are you preparing for the Lakers uh, having to play, be in the play-in game come uh, May? Well, you know, there just isn't enough stress in anybody who covers the uh, Lakers' lives. And uh, that's that's where we find ourselves right now. We, fi- we find ourselves uh, dealing with Lakers fans who are freaking out, dealing with uh, all of a sudden, there are a whole bunch of ankle specialists on, on Twitter that I had no idea that um, I was either following or who followed me. And, uh, and, and yeah, here we are. Great times. So it's uh, Lakers are panicking. There's so much talk about, well, not Lakers, Lakers people, people in the media, other people in the media panicking about the Lakers who sit at 28 and 14, which is a 67% winning ratio, which is pretty damn good. They sit two and a mm-hmm. half games uh, off the top spot in the Western Conference. They have a matchup today with the Phoenix Suns, who they, they are tied with. Um, 
in well, yeah, but ju- just just behind the Suns in terms of uh, the standings there. But they're going to have to do it without LeBron James and without Anthony Davis. Has there been? We'll talk about LeBron in a sec. Has there been any update on when we're going to see Anthony Davis back? Uh, we're still probably looking at uh, another week or two at least uh, before they reevaluate him. Uh, previously, they had the opportunity or the ability to potentially kind of take their time and get him back. And I think to a certain extent, that's still going to be the case. He signed a five-year deal with the Lakers. And and given the way that LeBron was playing this season before his injury, even it would be a bummer and you don't want to throw away any kind of a season. But what they aren't going to do is rush either guy back for any reason whatsoever. And, and the idea is that by acquiring Dennis Schroeder and by having Marcus Gasol on the team – and we'll see who else they walk away with, uh, with from this buyout situation by having uh, Montrezl Harrell on your team. The idea is that there's enough talent to tread water if and when this kind of a situation came up. We saw what it looked like when LeBron got hurt and he was surrounded by kids. That didn't look very well. And and uh, we've seen what it's looked like so far when when. Uh, LeBron isn't on the court with this current iteration of the Lakers and it's, and it's not great, but the idea that everybody just kind of recognizing this is what the situation is. If they can just play 500 ball, I would imagine that's, that's what they would be comfortable walking away with. And if it dips too far below that uh, there, they'll, they have about half a week now to, to make some kind of a deal. Now, of course, you know, Davis has been out for a long time with this, calf slash Achilles slash whatever it is. And you've got to be really careful with that situation. And we're all well yep. aware of that. And then LeBron suffered a pretty ugly looking ankle injury diagnosed as a high ankle sprain after an MRI. Yeah, timelines for that can vary. Now, for regular people, that is, you know, four to six weeks is, you know, eight weeks sometimes in some high ankle sprain type scenarios. But this is LeBron James who, you know, outside of that groin injury in his first season in LA just doesn't miss games. And you think you have to give him always the benefit of the doubt in terms of returning early, but how he's always going to want to push to play. We know this. How cautious do you think the Lakers will be? What's a realistic time frame? Like if LeBron comes back in, in two weeks and says, I'm ready to go, do you think the Lakers will say, you know, maybe just just wait a little bit here. We, we don't need you to get hurt as we push towards May, or is it just going to be what LeBron says goes? Like what, are we, what are we realistically expecting for LeBron in terms of games missed? This is... The I don't even know how much money we would assign to this question. Uh, this is the the potential billion dollar question when you consider everything that LeBron is worth to any organization that he's playing for. And for the most part, the Lakers basically trust LeBron when it comes to his body, and that's how they've they've operated the entirety of of their relationships with various athletes. What that did lead to, though was Kobe's torn Achilles where over the course of that season, especially later in that season, he started playing insane a number of minutes per game thinking that he could drag the Lakers to a, a playoff berth. And, and while they earned that playoff berth, it was, it was, they, they earned the right to get swept out of the first round by the San Antonio Spurs when they were playing with half a roster by that point. And and Kobe was never the same after that. And I think this organization, Rob Palenka was Kobe's agent at the time. Jeannie Buss considers herself, and, and by all 
accounts is not incorrect in in uh calling herself this but she she considers herself a sister to kobe once upon a time and this organization has is just now back on its feet after suffering that brutal blow and i think what the lakers as an organization are probably going to do is basically say we aren't going to go through that again lebron if you want to chase the the mvp and all of that stuff we 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 support you 100% while you're healthy, but we don't want to risk losing the, the, the last two, three years of, of prime LeBron James to this attempt at an MVP in an already brutal season. There's just no point really in, in having him or allowing him to do that. So while I, I, I think the Lakers trust LeBron outright, this is one of those spots where they I, they've already done it with Anthony Davis. They've said we're going to be super cautious about this, and I think they would do the same thing with LeBron. So, this is an opportunity for the guy that was starring in the preseason, um, Taylor Horton Tucker. Now, I don't know we're, we're, we're doing this before the Lakers have announced their starting lineups for Sunday. I don't know whether they'll start him or Kyle Kuzma will go in there next to Markeith Morris. But this is a big opportunity for Horton Tucker, who has had some flashes this year, to establish himself as a solid rotation piece as they head towards towards the playoffs. Um, is that how you see it? Like this big opportunity because he he's he's not LeBron. No one's LeBron, but a six eight wing guard who can then play point guard who can defend really well. That's basically what you need to replace LeBron. Like Wes Matthews doesn't replace LeBron. Contavious Caldwell-Pope doesn't replace LeBron. For as good as Kyle Kuzma's been this year, like he's not a LeBron analog. Like Horton Tucker, to me, is the guy that we really need to step up. And that could be, even though it's not ideal, having no Davis or having no LeBron here, getting Horton Tucker into these situations where he is tasked with a larger role, that could be beneficial when we come into May. We'll see. I I think... There are vets on this team that I think the Lakers are more comfortable leaning on than Taylor Horton Tucker. And what you run into when if you if you basically try to stretch Taylor Horton Tucker into fitting into any kind of a a role where he has to create that much is and we saw it at the very end of the first half of the season where the game just looked super complicated to him. He was turning the ball over a ton. His defense was suffering. His energy level was, was really low. And, and it, it was just the, the game looked a lot more difficult for him then than it ever did arguably over the course of his career to this point. And I think if I think the Lakers want to avoid that at all possible and, and I think what that is going to mean is they're going to really rely on Dennis Schroeder. They're really going to rely on, uh, Kyle Kuzma, they're going to rely on the system. They're going to rely heavily on their defense and try to get out and run in transition. Uh, th- those are the, the the places where I think there's never any true making up for losing LeBron. But how how can you mitigate it for a week or two until Anthony Davis gets back and he becomes uh, the center of your of your on court universe? It is going to be very intriguing to watch the Lakers. Yeah, they just need to keep things keep things steady, and hopefully they don't drop down to that uh, that seven and eight spot. And LeBron's return is going to be eagerly watched by people right across the league. Of course, Anthony, you'll cover it for us all over on Locked On Lakers. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. 
These drugs, the uh, sildenafil and tadalafil tablets that are provided by Blue Chew, they're the same ingredients that are in those brand name products, but these ones are chewable, so they work very, very effectively, and they work quickly. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers will work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. And if you don't like swallowing pills, there's no problems here. These tablets are chewable. Again, I can't stress enough how uh, how much how much of a benefit this is to have these Blue Chew chewable tablets so you don't have to swallow and you can just get it in, chew it, and you are ready to go. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluechew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code is LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. We've been telling you about Built Bar for ages. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. It is low calorie low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and it's amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now it is the time for us to find out what is the best tasting protein bar ever. Go to builtbar.com slash pages slash brackets or go to the Twitter handle at bar underscore built and check out the latest matchup. We're waiting for the Monday matchup to come up on the side. It's not there at the moment, but we are into the sweetest 16 bracket of Built Bar. So go and cast your vote over there. And when you decide which one you're voting for, don't forget, We've got our promo code, LOCKED15, and that will give you 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Now we go to the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast, Kane Pittman is here with me. Kane, the Bucks, well, let's quickly talk about this. Uh, Yanni Antetokounmpo, he's uh, not going to play on Monday apparently with a knee strain. Anything to worry about there? Not sure. This is a really strange one. He is listed as doubtful for the game with Indiana with a left knee strain. And it was interesting watching this game on the weekend against the Spurs because there was no clear incidents. He did leave the court in the first quarter, but came on to play out the game. So we'll wait and see. He has had a history of having some knee soreness in both knees, really, over the course of his career. So we'll wait and see, but certainly not one particular incident that stands out and certainly not enough for us to ask any questions after the game anyway. So we'll see. I guess we'll find out before the Pacers game. But fingers crossed for the Bucs, it's, it's nothing too serious. Yeah, as you said, he's had these knee issues over a period of time. We saw that at the end of last season, before the season shut down, he was having some knee problems and yeah, got that opportunity to rest for those few months. Um, yeah, he, he's had this ongoing, which is, I guess, somewhat of a concern that it just keeps on, on popping up and hopefully it's nothing too yep. serious. But I guess... The bigger news with the Bucks is that they made a trade. They, uh, I wouldn't say they went all in because they sort of did that with the Drew Holiday trade earlier in the season, but that they they went after a guy who can be a legitimate playoff helper, a guy whose season's been terrible up to this point, PJ Tucker from the Houston Rockets. But they said, all right, we're, we're in. We need to get someone else in here to help our bench depth, which was depleted with the moves over the offseason. Uh, PJ is there in Milwaukee. What do you think his role is on this team now and then as we push into, say, May and June? Well, as far as the trade goes on the whole, you kind of touched on that. The Bucks really went all in in the Drew Holiday trade in the offseason. And part of what we've seen from Milwaukee this year, particularly defensively, is that they are really wanting to try different things. They've implemented a lot more switching. We basically never saw that over the last two seasons. They're trying uh, to get Brooke Lopez in different positions on the floor rather than keeping him stationed in the paint for the whole game. And while the Bucs had the number one defense in the league the last two seasons, we saw 
that probably the lack of versatility hurt them in the postseason. So to me, this is exactly where PJ Tucker comes in. It'll be interesting to see whether he can bounce back and how much of his struggles were due to motivation, or perhaps it is the fact that he is a guy that is about to turn 36 years old and perhaps he is in decline. That's the real question mark for Milwaukee. But what he does do is allow the Bucks to play Giannis at the five, PJ Tucker can play at the four, or however you want to really dictate those possessions is up to you. But they will have those two guys in the front court with Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and also Dante DiVincenzo. And I think they see this as another option for the Bucks for potential closing lineup, maybe in matchups where Brook Lopez doesn't make sense. They can go small with PJ Tucker. We see in the postseason sometimes when teams really do go small that maybe PJ Tucker would start ahead of Brook Lopez. So this is all the types of things we're going to see over the next few months. I'm sure Mike Budenholzer will tinker with different matchups, uh, different lineups, different defensive strategies. But I think overall, this just allows the Bucks to have more versatility on the defensive end. Do you think that this was ma- this move was made to combat a particular opponent? I'm thinking about one that might reside in New York City, um, who will go small with you know, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin at center, and a guy like PJ Tucker who can switch onto James Harden, who can have a go at Kevin Durant, and who can you know, man that center spot. Do you think it's like we are trying to do what we can, like the way the Rockets have done in the past? Like we need to do things to match up against the Warriors. Do you think that this sort of move, getting Tucker, is like this? This is our threat. Yeah, because yeah, PJ Tucker versus Joel Embiid, I'm not sure that's quite the, the center matchup you want to go for. But against Brooklyn, I think it makes a ton of sense. So do you think that that's the way they were looking at it? Well, the funny thing about the Eastern Conference is, I mean, we spend so much time on Locked On Bucks talking about who is the closing lineup going to be? Can the Bucks have Brook Lopez on the floor? But you already mentioned Philadelphia, who looms as one of the main contenders in the East. That's a great matchup where Brook Lopez is probably going to be required to play big minutes. And the Nets is interesting because they've only played each other once this year. But as a counter to Giannis, the Nets actually played DeAndre Jordan big minutes. And I think that this is going to be the interesting back and forth if we get a Brooklyn-Milwaukee series because the Nets, maybe they will go small, but then how do you stop Giannis? And I think that most teams uh, like to have a big man out there to patrol the paint and at least have a secondary option if Giannis gets through uh, on the perimeter. So... If the Nets go small, we've seen P.J. Tucker go to war against those Warriors teams in multiple occasions in the postseason. Then he's defended Kevin Durant, and no one's really going to stop Kevin Durant, but he's at least done a respectable job. So with Drew Holiday, with Giannis, I think the Bucks like their defensive options there. Uh, it's just a really interesting situation where Brook Lopez actually makes a lot of sense in against those top two matchups. But again, as you pointed to there, if the Nets do want to go with Jeff Green at the five or who knows, maybe Blake Griffin now, then yes, you would. it would lend itself to playing PJ Tucker more minutes. Is this any sort of um, indication of maybe a lack of faith in Bobby Portis, who was coming in playing some backup mm-hmm. center minutes, putting up numbers that looked interesting in the box score, but we know that Portis has some pretty significant defensive issues. Do you think that was like, we gave him a chance, we brought him in, um, we saw him you know, put up some numbers, but man, we, we just, I don't think we can trust this guy in the playoffs. Well, I think this was the big problem for the Bucks because you already touched on a Bobby Portis for the dollar amount that he signed has been fantastic and probably better than, than anyone would have expected oh, yeah. he would be. He's had some really, really good games offensively. But going into the postseason, there are still going to be question marks because he just hasn't had to play in the postseason. I think he's played six playoff games in his career. So defensively, if Brook Lopez wasn't working out, your insurance was literally Bobby Portis. 
And so I described it exactly how you did. I said that this deal, I don't, and people aren't talking about this, but I think that this is some significant Bobby Portis insurance as well if he turns out to be a guy that you can't play in the postseason. So I think we'll wait and see where P.J. Tucker falls and if his form comes back to where it was and if he can rediscover the three-point shot, we'll wait and see. But I do think that this significantly shores up and strengthens the front court rotation of the Bucks. Last question. The Bucks don't have a backup point guard at this point. Obviously, they're, they're starting Drew Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo. Giannis handles the ball, but DJ Augustin was their backup point guard. Bryn Forbes is a point guard by some archaic designation of the term point guard. Like he, he's, he's, not, he's not that guy. Do you think that they look to improve that position or you know, through buyouts or free agency, whatever they do? Or is it just a, a matter of, um, okay, we'll just stagger. Dante, we'll stagger Drew, we'll give the ball into Giannis, we'll let Chris Middleton handle it. We're happy with our you know, four of our five starters who can all handle the ball, and we won't worry about that guy coming off the bench. Yeah, as it currently stands, the Bucks probably are looking at a nine-man rotation, and credit to Mike Budenholzer. I mean, the big criticism of him in the past has been that he has not tightened up that rotation, but he's basically right now, as it stands, going with the starting five that we know, and then Conant and Portis, Tucker and Forbes. So he really is mixing and matching lineups and basing his confidence on the fact that Milton can handle the ball a little bit and Giannis can and Dante can. But I do think with two open roster spots and now a little bit of room created uh, between where they're at and the hard cap, I, I think that we'll see them at least acquire a veteran backup point guard that can potentially come in and play, but not necessarily need to be a huge difference maker. I don't think that ball handling is going to be a huge problem with the Bucks with the guys that they do have, but I think you would want a little bit of insurance because if one of these guards goes down... Uh, they are seriously, seriously short on guards that can play. Would have been nice to have someone like a Bogdan Bogdanovich. Maybe they could look into trading for him, Kane. Well, it was interesting when the when the trade report came out with Tucker. I said, I'm just going to wait and see. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> save the podcast for a few hours. I want to make sure that this one goes through, but thankfully it did. Guys, you can check out Locked on Bucks with Kane hosting that five days a week for this Milwaukee team that's making that run, pushing back to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and hopefully for Milwaukee fans pushing into the NBA Finals. Kane, thanks for coming on Locked on NBA. Always a pleasure, man. Anytime. And that'll do it for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Give us that five-star review. Tell your friends about it. Share it all around the socials. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. And you can also find the uh, the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.